Hey guys, I'm Caleb, and welcome to Passion Youth Podcast. Tonight, Pastor Josh speaks on denying our flesh and learning to yield to the Holy Spirit in our life. Guys, again, youth camp, so amazing. I know for, how many of y'all thought it was an amazing year? PYC 18. And just the moments where just God's presence is so thick, it's just like you just feel his love in such a powerful way. And like in that moment, you begin to see things in your life that needs to to change, things that God is trying to weed out of your life. And But it's not, you just feel the love of Jesus come upon you. And the love of Jesus begins to point out things in your life that needs to change and that needs to be adjusted. And just, I just love being in God's presence like that and just God speaking to my heart and listening, God, what is your will for my life and him directing my path. And how many of you know, heaven, it's going to be like that, but just like a million times more. Just being in God's presence, walking with him down the streets of heaven, it's just going to be an awesome thing where we have no pain, no hurt, no fears. Everything is set back right. Everything is how it should be. How many of you would say that you received something from God at camp, whether it be you got saved for the first time, whether you rededicated your life, or he spoke a word to you, or you feel like he gave you an, an anointing like never before. Any, who in here would say, I received something from God at camp? I know I did. Now, I don't want you to raise your hand this time when I ask you this, but I want you to ask yourself, how many of you feel like maybe you have lost that thing already or turned away from it? And maybe not this year, but in years past, have you already forgotten what God spoke to you? Have you already made the decision to turn away from the path that God has placed you on? Have you lost the fire that was placed inside of you? And I'm not saying you're going to be able to recapture the feeling of youth camp. It's not about a feeling, but are you clinging to the revelation that Jesus has given you? Have you responded to the conviction that he has placed on your heart? And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. How do I hang on to that? How do I not turn away from that? You know, we're not in heaven yet, and we still, we live in a fallen world because of Adam and Eve's decision to sin against God. And so we have pain, we have temptations, we have distractions in our life, and there is only one way that you're going to make it. There's only one way you're going to continue to run the race of endurance, and that's if we yield to the Holy Spirit in our life, if we yield to that still small voice of Jesus in our heart, if we submit to that voice, if we obey that voice, if we owe trust in that voice, if we give our life 
to the Holy Spirit, if we listen to the Holy Spirit, if we desire the Holy Spirit in our life and let Him begin to guide us, let Him begin to lead us in the way in which we should go, let Him begin to shape your life, let Him begin to point out things in your life that are not pleasing to God, let Him tell you when you're going down a path That's going to lead to destruction. If we don't let the Holy Spirit guide us, we're not going to make it. Galatians 5, 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be able, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is the opposite of of what the Spirit wants. Your fleshly desires, your sinful desires, always, always want to go against the desires of the Holy Spirit. You have a decision. We talked about decisions. You have that decision whether you're going to submit your life to sin or the Holy Spirit and His guiding. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions, even sometimes when you want to do good. But when we are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. If you aren't letting the Holy Spirit guide your life, you are going to fall into sin. It's that simple. Because there's something inside of you that is constantly wanting to run to that sin. I want us to to go to this place, though. Can we be saved and give in to that sinful nature? What do y'all think? Yes. We're no, none of us are, are perfect. The Bible says He is, the Holy Spirit is perfecting us. He is shaping us. We're supposed to be going to, to this level and this level, not on our own, but with Jesus. All, it's our job to submit to the Holy Spirit, and He is going to help bring us to that next place and that next place. And our understanding is going to be more and more and more. And like we talked about a couple Sundays ago, our, our strength when we're fighting the devil, we're going to be, be able to withstand more attacks from Satan. And it's not going to bother us whenever we yield to the Holy Spirit in our life and let him bring us to that another level in him. There's always going to be a war inside of you with what your sinful nature wants to do and what God wants to do. And here's the thing you need to realize right now. It never goes away. You never get to the point where, oh, I've gotten to this place where there's no temptation. There's no temptation to fall into lust. There's no temptation to fall into anger. Whatever that sin is that so easily beset you, that thorn in your flesh, that desire to do that thing may never go away. So what does that mean? It's just you submitting to the Holy Spirit and say, 
Holy Spirit, I'm not going to give in to my flesh, and I need you to help me. And it's willpower. It's not trying to do it on your own because we can fight and we could, we could try to just not give in to that sin, not give in to that sin and try to fight on our own and struggle on our own and never get anywhere. It's submitting to the Holy Spirit in your life. The question is what, so we can be saved and give in to sin and let Jesus redeem us through the process of redemption. But the question is, what are you going to let dominate your life, the Holy Spirit or your sinful nature? And I want us to look at Romans 8, chapter 5. It says, those who are dominated by their sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit Think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the, the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did, obeys God, never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under control of their sinful nature can never please God. If you're letting your sin dominate your life and control your life, you're not pleasing to the Father. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit. If you have the Spirit of God living inside of you, it's a choice that you have to make when, you, when Jesus is in your heart, it's your choice to yield to that still, small voice. We can still be saved and yield to our sinful nature, but to become more and more like Christ, we have to press in. We have to press, press on. And your sin should not characterize your life, and it should not characterize your appetite. Does your app, you know, Pastor Josh gave an awesome message, and I love just the physical representation of the two tables. And what table are you going to sit at? Are you going to let that table that's full of all the worldly things? Are you going to let your appetite go to that? Are you going to let that dominate your life and then try to run to God's table when it's convenient? Or are you going to sit at God's table? And eat and let that develop the appetite for things of God. And we may mess up. We may get distracted. We're going to mess up and we're going to run to that table. But say, God, I messed up. Lord, forgive me. Lord, help me not to do it next time. What are you going to let dominate your life? And I want everybody applying this to your heart tonight. No matter how long you've been saved. No matter how long you've known the Lord, we always need to go to another level in pursuing God, in developing our appetites. So don't think, oh, this message is not for me. And the only way 
to keep running that race, the only way to hold on to what God has given you is to engage and engage every day. Engage every minute of every day and say, Holy Spirit, I'm going to yield to you. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to trust you. Holy Spirit, I'm living for you. I'm not living for my flesh. What does it look like when we aren't yielding to the Spirit? What does it look like? How do we know if we're yielding to our flesh? How do we know if we're yielding to our sinful nature? I want us to look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. This is what happens when you yield to your flesh. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry. Idolatry is when you hold something above God. That could be anything in your life. Sorcery. Hostility. What's hostility? It's just whenever you're, you're, everybody's trying to come and show you love, and you're just like, whoa, no, nope. Try to speak life to you? No. Back up. Quarreling. Fighting. Jealousy. Outbursts of anger. Selfish ambition. When you just, when you're living to where you can look good. You're living where you can just get to this place where, oh, look, I've made it. Look what I have. Look what I've done. We're not called to glorify ourselves and honor ourselves. When we're yielded to the Spirit, we want to glorify God. Dissension, division, what does that mean? In here, we're, we're called to be united. We sung about that. Come bind us together in love. What, if you're operating in dissension and in division, you're, you're pulling people apart in the body of Christ. And so whenever you say something bad about your friend and cut them down, you're driving a wedge between us. Whenever you come against somebody who's in authority in the church, division, dissension. Whenever we choose not to love, we're causing division and dissension. And if you're causing division and dissension, you're yielding to your flesh, you're yielding to your sinful nature. Envy, when we want what we don't have, what somebody else has. Oh, I wish I had that life. I wish I had this thing. Drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. This is what it looks like when we're yielded to the Holy Spirit and submitted to Him and obeying Him. This is the fruit that comes out. Love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
How many of you know we all need a little more self-control? Be able to say no to our flesh. Because we just read about it. It always wants to go against God. So if you don't have self-control, you're always going to be sinning. You're always going to be running to the table of the world, of our flesh. We've got to begin to recognize when you're yielding to your sinful nature. And you've got to say, whoop, something's wrong. Something's wrong in my life. I'm running to this table. I'm feeding at this table that I don't need to be feeding at. And these things, my fruits that are coming out of my life, it's not of the Spirit. And you need to say, whoop, I'm running back to the the Lord's table. I'm running back to His presence. I'm going to get in my word. I'm going to say, Lord, I'm sorry. Repent. Lord, I was at... I I ran to this sin. I had fruits coming out of my life that weren't good fruits. They were bad fruits, Lord. I repent. Help me. And let's move on and keep running that race. We've got to fight our, our, our negative emotions. We can't... We can't react to our emotions in our life because our emotions are liars. Our emotions are liars. What do you mean? There's times when you're going to begin to feel angry. There's going to be times when you begin to, to feel a little bit of sadness or depression come over your life. There's going to be times when you get discouraged. There's going to be times when you're tempted to not love others. But you can't react to those emotions. When you're feeling that anger, you need to say, God, I'm not yielding to this. I'm not going to yield to this anger. Lord, help me. When you're feeling sad, when you're feeling depressed, I'm not going to go shut myself up in a room. I'm not going to just go feel sorry for myself. But I'm going to stir up joy in my life. I'm going to stir up joy. And you say, oh, that's not real. No, that's real. Holy Spirit is real. Whenever we stir up joy and say, Holy Spirit, come and change me. Don't be satisfied in staying in a place that isn't pleasing to the Father. Say, no, I'm going to get myself out of this. Lord, come and help me. Lord, I want to get right. Lord, the fruits in my life are not reflecting anything good right now. We need to make the decision. First, we need to recognize when we're yielding to our sinful nature, when we're yielding to our flesh because fruit comes out. And number two, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to get us out of that funk we're in and say, okay, here, I'm done with that. I'm not going to have a pity party about it. I'm not going to let it distract me. I'm not going to let it knock me back on my race of endurance, but I'm just going to keep on blowing and going. And if I have to just ignore how I'm feeling, that's okay. Don't react to your negative emotions. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. How many of you have uh, went back to school? Has anybody went back to school? Half the people. Who's going back to school next week? Okay, so we're all going back to school in the next couple weeks. And for every year that I've been youth pastor, I think I've given like the back to school speech. And 
honestly, I'm tired of the back to school speech. Okay? And Lord, I prayed, I prayed about this. I said, Lord, I can't do it again. And he said, you know what? Either they're going to go back to school and they're going to fight their sinful nature and they're going to have the self-control to stay yoked to me, to stay in my shelter, to stay in the safe place, in the holy place, or they're going to go back to school and just run to what their flesh wants to do. That's it. School is not going to take you out. That's, school's not what's going to take you out. If school takes you out, then you, you didn't have anything inside of you. You didn't have your foundation in Jesus. And Pastor Josh, he's here to help you. Listen, call me. Hey, I'm struggling with this. I, I'm dealing with this. And I like to hear that because that means you're making war against your flesh. We're here to help. Call any one of us. Talk to us. But Pastor Josh can't go to school and hold your hand through the hallways like a preschooler. Come on, little buddy. Hey, don't run over there. There's thorn bushes over there. Come here, come here back here. Hey, you're about to step on some gum. Let me just pull you out the way. There's going to be temptations and things you need to avoid as you're, you're, you're making your way through life. And you, it's got to be you. It's got to be something inside of you that says, I don't want that. I don't want to run to that. I want to get away from that stuff. I don't want that. Do you have that inside of your heart? You need to make sure when you go back to school that you are not influenced by things that please your flesh. Don't run to those things that look like, oh, man, that could be, I want to try that. Oh, look, I, I see so-and-so, they, they, they look like they have a, a fun little clique of friends over there. I want to try to get in that. You've got to say, I don't care if I'm all by myself. I don't care if I have to sit at the lunch table all by myself. I don't care if I just have to just, just get through it because my salvation is infinitely more valuable to me than a friend or popularity or looking like you got it all together. I value my salvation more than any of that. And you need to watch who you're hanging out with. You need to watch who you're hanging out with. And just because they say they're a Christian doesn't mean they're a Christian. And you need to begin to judge the fruit in, your li in their life. Not everybody who says they're a Christian is a Christian. Not every pastor you see on television is preaching the truth. Not every one of them has fruit that is honoring to God. And you don't just go and copy somebody's behavior because they say they're a Christian. Oh, I'm, when I went to school, uh, Jimmy says he's a Christian and, but, and he's doing this and this and this, so I guess that's cool. He's listening to this, so I guess I can listen to this. He's watching this movie, so I'll I, I watch that. He's having a sleepover tomorrow night. I'm cool to go to that. He says he's a Christian. No, we've got to begin to judge 
the fruit. Let the, whole, the Holy Spirit inside of you, he's there to guide you. I don't know if you are, do you realize what I'm saying? Lord, do I need to be hanging out with this group of friends? Pray about that. Lord, do I need to be going to see this movie? Pray about it. Let him guide your steps. Let him guide your path. I want to look at Matthew 7, 15, and it talks about judging the fruit. Beware of false prophets. Who's a false prophet? Anybody who says they're something and they're not, that's a false prophet. If they say they're a Christian and they're giving you all Christian mumbo-jumbo and their life isn't adding up, false prophet. Beware of false prophet who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes? Can you pick figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce... Lost my place. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown in the fire. That's in the end of days. Just And yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. If you're sitting at the table of God, if you're yielded to the Holy Spirit, good fruit comes out of your life. You can run to the, 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 the table of the world and you might have a few rotten fruits pop up, but you're going to run right to the table of God. But if you're sitting at this table, you're going to be popping out bad fruits, bad fruits. And you can even run. You can go to church on Sunday. You can try to go sit at that table every now and then. But you're still going to be producing bad fruits in your life. So you need to look at your own life, first of all. And is there bad fruit? Am I characterized by bad fruit? Is my appetite characterized by the things of this world? And when you're seeking out fellowship... You need to look at the fruits in their life. Am I going to get distracted, Lord, if I hang out with this person? Am am I going to get tempted? Am I going to get drug away from your word? Lord, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Examine your hearts. You know, my prayer a lot of time is, Lord, if there's anything in my life that's holding back your will, if there's anything in, your, in my life that's holding back your plan for my life, Lord, strip it away. Lord, show me. Because what if God has this plan for my life? He, he wants me to do this, do that, whatever it may be, whatever his perfect plan is for my life. But because of my disobedience, I don't get to fulfill that plan. That's very serious to me. The Lord has a plan for each and every one of your lives. And what if the disobedience in your heart, what if your appetite for the things of this world keeps you from from fulfilling that plan that God has for your life? 
I want to look at I want to look at Matthew 7 24 through 27 and it talks about how how to remain in Jesus how do I hold on to the revelation that I've received at camp or at a church service how do I receive how do I hold on to my salvation how do I hold on to the anointing that God has given me Lord, I don't want to be like Samson. I want to hold on to that anointing. I want to cherish that anointing. Lord, I want to receive from you. I want to do things for you, Lord. Matthew 7. Anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on a solid rock, you've got to have a firm foundation in your life. You have to listen to the teachings of God. You have to listen to the gospel of Jesus, and you have to apply it to your life. You have to yield to the Holy Spirit in your life. If you're not on that firm foundation, you're going to be washed away. Let's read on. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the wind winds beat against that house, it will not collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey, it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand with no foundation, when the rains come and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. If, you're, if you don't have a firm foundation, if you don't know that you know that you know that Jesus is Lord of your life, you're going to collapse. If you're trying to feed at both, both the tables... It's going to collapse. You have to have a firm foundation because you, the winds and rains is talking about, that's, that's going to school. But the winds and rains didn't, that's not what destroyed the house. It just never had a foundation. So you need to just make sure you have that foundation because whether it's school or whatever else, you're going to collapse. Make sure you have that firm foundation in your life. And those false prophets that we talked about, those Christians who are hypocrites and not obeying the word of God and, li and living to please God and living to yield to the Holy Spirit, they're missing something. They're missing that foundation in their life. I want to read this passage the Lord, the Lord gave me. And at first, like, Lord, what, what, are you trying to, what are you trying to say to me through this? And he just began to... Give me revelation on this passage. And I want to I read it to you first. It's not long. And then let's go back over it and study it out a little bit. 2 Kings 2, 19. And this story is about Elisha. And it's kind of confusing because his predecessor was Elijah. And he was a prophet of God. And, and Elisha was his right-hand man. And when Elijah was about to go on to be with the Lord. In fact, he was taken up in, in a chariot of fire into a whirlwind into heaven. Amazing story. But right before 
he was taken up into heaven. Elisha knew he was about to be taken up into heaven. And he said, Elijah, I, I want a double anointing of what the Lord has given you. And Elijah was a mighty man of God, performed many miracles, called down fire, raised the dead, just amazing. Elisha said, I want a double portion of that. And Elijah said, you ask a hard thing, but I'm going to see, I'm going to ask the Lord. I'm going to see if you can have this double portion of anointing. And when Elijah was taken up into heaven, his mantle, his cloak fell to the ground and he took up that mantle and he struck the river. I think it was the river, forgot, anybody know? Jordan, Jordan. I was about to say Jericho. That's later in the story. Jericho ain't a river. He struck the river Jordan and parted away. Man, I, by the way, side note, I, saw, I was flipping through the channel, saw on this thing on History Channel. They were talking about the Bible and stuff. But it was really, I didn't realize it was a show trying to like discredit the Bible. And they were like, oh, like the miracles where the water was separated. It's just a strong wind that blew and like separated. Come on, jeez. Anyway, he strikes the water, and the Lord float, just flings back the water, and he, dry, he goes across on dry land, and he knew that the Lord gave him that double portion of anointing. And this is where we're going to pick up. This is right after that. One day, the leaders of the town of Jericho visited Elisha. There's where Jericho is. We have a problem, my Lord, they told him. The town is located in pleasant surroundings, as you can see, but the water is bad, and the land is unproductive. Elijah said, bring me a new bowl with salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then he went out to the spring that supplied the town with water and threw the salt into it. And he said... This is what the Lord says, I have purified this water. It will no longer cause death or infertility. And the water has remained pure ever since, just as Elisha had said. So Elisha left Jericho and went up to Bethel. So he was walking along the road. A group of boys from the town began mocking and making fun of him. Go away, Baldy, they chanted. Go away, Baldy. Elisha turned around and looked at him, and he cursed them in the name of the Lord. Then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of them. From there, Elisha went on to Mount Carmel and finally returned to Samaria. <laughs> so I'm like, Lord, I know you're trying to speak to me about this. Lord, what are you trying to say? As we go back through it, first of all, do we desire the double portion of anointing? Do we really think about that? Do we really desire that? Do we really ask the Lord for more anointing in our life? Do we really want to do more for the Lord? I want you to ask yourself that. So then he goes, and right after Elisha ascends into heaven, Elijah ascends into heaven, Elisha goes to Jericho. And what do they, what do they say to him? We can put up the first uh, verse 19. They said that the town 
is located in pleasant surroundings, as you can see, but the water is bad and the land is unproductive. We're surrounded by all these pleasant, beautiful things. So that means when you're going up to Jericho, you can look from the outside. It's surrounded by all these pleasant things, these beautiful things. It looks so good when you're walking up to it. You probably think, oh, Jericho, he's got it all together. Jericho is such an amazing place to live, but it was lacking what was necessary to bring life to the city. In our life, we're surrounded by this world, okay? We're surrounded by things that are pleasant to our eyes, things that are beautiful, maybe things that, you know, are sinful, maybe things that aren't, just a creation of God. We're surrounded by all this beautiful place. I love to just go out and look at the stars sometimes or look at the clouds. Sarah thinks I'm weird. I'm like, look at those clouds. Is that cool looking? Yeah, whatever. I just, I like that kind of stuff. So we're, in our life, we can be surrounded by all this beauty and we try to enjoy our surroundings. Our appetite is for our surroundings, but we ignore the fact that what's necessary for life inside of us is missing. You hear what I'm saying? Everything looks good from the outside. Everything may look like you have it all together, but really inside you're missing what can bring you life. Inside of you is death. So they come up to Elijah, what can we do? What can we do? He says, bring me a bowl with salt in it. The Bible compares us as Christians in the Bible as salt because salt in the Bible was literally life-giving. Like you need salt in your diet. So they didn't have salt everywhere like we did, like it was a precious thing. And so they had to make sure they, they, they were getting salt in their diet. They had to make sure that they were getting it in their body. And salt was also used to preserve fruit in that time. So salt was a precious thing. And so I love how when Elijah says, I'm going to purify this water, the Lord's going to purify this water, come and bring me some salt. And so whenever we're going to somebody, whenever we're witnessing to somebody who doesn't know the Lord, we're bringing the salt to them. We're bringing the light of our salvation. And we're sharing with them what we received in Jesus. Hey, your, your life, it, it may seem like you have it all together. You may not realize that you need this, but you desperately do. You're just ignoring the fact that what is necessary for life is missing. The water is, is, is bad. The land is unproductive. And what you need is Jesus Christ. Do we have an appetite for your surroundings, which is the world, or Jesus with what brings you 
life. And when you have Jesus in your heart, when the water's inside of you, when the death inside of you is purified, then we can begin to enjoy our life truly. We may go through trials. We will go through trials. We will go through tribulations. There will be tough times, but then you can truly enjoy the pleasant surroundings like Jericho was talking about. When your water is made pure, now you can enjoy what you have. You can enjoy the blessings of the Lord. You can enjoy your family. You can enjoy your marriage. Come on. Don't just look at the pleasant surroundings and think that's what's going to fulfill your life. So then, the whole, the whole deal is, you know, the bears. You know, wh- wh- what is that? So, right after Elijah, two things. Right after Elijah performs his first miracle... When he purifies this water, saves this city, right as he's leaving, they begin making fun of him. These young boys begin making fun of him. They begin taunting him. Right, we've t- uh, we talked about this a lot at camp. When you begin serving God, right but when you begin engaging Satan's going to try to come against you. The world's going to try to begin to, to mock you to distract you, to tempt you. And what does Elisha do? He just says, no, I rebuke that. I curse that. And he continues to Samaria. That's the next verse. I'm just walking on. It's going to be all right. And so when something comes against you, when you go back to school and people are, yeah, 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 and just, just trying to get you distracted, trying to get you upset, trying to tempt you, say, no, you don't have to say I rebuke you, but in your mind, you, you're, my, my battle's not with flesh and blood, so you say, hey, Satan, I rebuke that, and just psh, rock on, okay? Secondly, I felt like the Lord was saying, you know, there... I'm sure there's somebody in here tonight who you don't particularly want to come. And your parents might be making you come tonight. And good, because I would too. That's a good thing. And, you know, it's up to you whether you receive anything. It's up to you whether you want to receive from Jesus, you make that choice or not. But what I need you to to do is to respect what's going on in the house of God. Because these boys didn't realize they, they were making fun of Elisha. They were making fun of what he was doing in the Lord. And so when you come and you disrespect what's going on in the house of God, there's gonna be consequences for that. And you need to understand what you're doing, you're coming in here, and if you're mocking this environment or you're disrespecting this environment, you're disrespecting God and what he's wanting to do. And your consequences might not be now, but one day we're all going to stand before Jesus, and we're all going to have to give an account, and we're all going to have to bow. So if it's your choice to just resist God then 
I'm sorry. Because you can either bow now, you can either submit your life now, you can either start from this moment on living a life of holiness and purity and blessings of the Lord, or you can wait to that judgment day. And we're all going to have to give an account. I want the team to come up. You know, I was talking, I was thinking about the story of the ten bridesmaids. And they were all waiting for the groom. They were all anticipating this one thing. And what does that represent? That represents Jesus. The groom is Jesus. And in this place, we're all waiting to go to heaven, right? Or for Jesus to come back. Is that you? I know that's me. I, I'm, I'm looking for that day. That's what we're singing about. I'm looking for that day when you're coming back, Lord. That's what I'm living for. So these ten bridesmaids, they all had to have a lantern to go out and see and get to the groom. And there were ten of them. Five of them, they had oil in their lanterns to where, the, to where they could light their lantern and they can go out and see and get to the groom. But there were five foolish bridesmaids who even though they were waiting, they still wanted to get to the groom. They were also anticipating the groom's arrival, but yet they had no oil. They had no foundation in their life. They had no desire to eat at the king's table. They didn't yield to the Holy Spirit in their life. They, they want the benefits but they didn't want the pain. They didn't have the self-control to say no to what their flesh was asking them to do. And so what happens? The groom shows up, and the five who didn't have the oil, they say, please spare some oil. Please, is there any way we can get to the groom? And they said, no, it's, it's too late. You didn't give your life up. You weren't watching. You weren't praying. You weren't pressing in. You didn't desire Jesus above all else. Another parable talks about the wedding feast. And those who didn't make it in in time when the door shuts, they're beating on the door. Let us in. Let us in. No, it's too late. Jesus isn't something we pick up and we put down. Jesus isn't something that we just desire, but we don't engage with. It's an everyday battle to pursue the heart of God. I want us to stand to our feet tonight.